we're landing the plane. It's, this is the final installment on our series, The Way of Jesus. And I'd be interested, if you would, to share in the chat or even clicking on the digital connection card and just leaving us a note to let us know how this series has impacted you, what things you've learned, and maybe some new rhythms, maybe a new habit, a prayer habit. And even today, as we lean into just the conversation around, have you given up on prayer? It's because I think uh, we sometimes are struggling to come to grips with what prayer can produce, right? I mean, we have an idea and are encouraged as God's people to believe in the power of prayer. And it may be even that we don't pray often enough. And that may be for some of us. And then there's others of us who believe and pray. And yet it seems like whatever you're praying, the results aren't there. It just doesn't seem to work. And so as we've been talking about the way of Jesus, of looking at how did Jesus do life here on earth, as we've looked at the stories around his journey here, especially the last three years, we're seeing that there was a way to it. There was a practice to it, a habit to it. It wasn't just words and truth. It really was how he lived his life each day and the actions that he took. And that's why we are calling this series The Way of Jesus. There's a way that he practiced that I'm confident that if we would embrace his way, we would find life in a whole new way, literally. Now, we know that life happens, right? It's, it's a constant. And yet, when we look at Jesus' life, as we've talked about over these last few weeks, no matter what happened, the interruptions that came to him, the things that he had to deal with, and how crazy life was, and the demands were being placed upon him, and the conflict that he had to lean into with the religious leaders that, that were at odds with him, and then even the, the difficulty of walking in, in a season with political tensions with the Roman government. One thing that's clear about how Jesus lived his life is that he constantly sought after his Heavenly Father in prayer. He constantly was pursuing being present with God. And we know that comes from the fact that having come from the Father before he came to earth and walked amongst us by taking on flesh, that he had an intimate relationship with his Father. And that relationship is something that was the core of who he was. If we want what Jesus had, we need to pray like Jesus prayed. And how was that? Because uh, I'm guessing, I know in my own prayer journey, is that I, I struggle with that. And why is that? Why is it that we struggle with prayer? There's a couple reasons I want to suggest this morning and, and just see if you agree with these. I mean, we, we all struggle with praying consistently and effectively. And so why? Well, uh, some of us lack focus, right? I mean, we get distracted. Uh, we are uh, ADD kind of prayers. Uh, can't keep our mind uh, focused on what it is that God wants for us. You know, like last week's message about squirrel. It's, it seems like we're always being drawn away from the priorities that God has for us. And yet it, we know that, I don't know about you, but I know when I pray, sometimes my mind wanders. And sometimes I get bored, literally, about things maybe I, I pray about, and, and even the idea of waiting until I'm in bed to pray, that I end up falling asleep and then realizing that I didn't even say amen. And yet, uh, that, that's one area. Uh, the second area is that we lack confidence. Many of us have bumped into prayer warriors, people who, when we go to a, a gathering, as we did with the Godsfields experience over the last couple years, there are people who can pray, and they, they pray 
they can lay out all the names of God and they can lay out the verses that the names come from and, and they begin their prayer that way. And yet for many of us, our prayers uh, aren't that, right? Our attention goes all over the map. And, and so we don't really know how to pray. And then some of us lack the focus and some of us lack the confidence. But I also think there's some of us that lack the faith. And what I mean by that is that we don't really believe that God hears or that he cares for us or that he's got to be tired of us coming and, and so it just didn't work. The things that we, we chase after, you know, a marriage maybe that's in trouble and so we, we seek prayers to, to God to, to fix it or the prayers to bring about physical healing. Somebody, maybe that's a friend or a family member that has cancer or maybe it's the prayers to, to push away from addiction and the evils that that has, the, the hooks that addiction brings to a person's life. And so we walk away thinking, well, prayer might work for others, but it isn't going to work for me. And even uh, a couple years ago, we spent some time working through uh, the 40-day prayer journey. And many of you uh, have done this, and I would encourage you in this season to get this book. And if you'd like a copy of this and you didn't get one, again, connect on the digital connection card up above, and we'll get you one so that you can walk through just praying again what uh, prayer needs to be in our life. This week, I just want to dive into this idea of uh, prayer, does it work? And to do that, we, we understand what prayer is, right? Uh, we've, we've walked with it if you're a follower of Jesus for a long time. But let's start with what prayer is not, to sort of set aside some things that I think can sometimes be the distraction that keeps us from having a, a rich and full prayer life. I mean, first of all, it's not a formal presentation. It isn't like you have to sort of figure out your list and bring it to God. And it has to have all the these and the thous and a certain perspective. And it's also not uh, like your Amazon list. It's not giving God your wish list. Uh, he's not a spiritual vending machine. And it's not spiritual negotiation. You know, the, the old conversation around uh, the foxhole prayers that, well, God, if you save me out of this one, I'll give you my life in a different new way. And it's not that either. And it's not about any kind of performance to impress God or even to impress others. And so it's interesting. What is it that Jesus teaches us? Well, it's simply this, is that prayer isn't just an action that you do. Prayer is the way that you live. And it's that simple. It's this idea that when we look at the way Jesus lived and the path that he walked on, we know that one of the things that he did and was core of who he is and, and was as he walked on the earth is that he prioritized being in the presence of God through prayer. He prioritized getting away and talking to his heavenly father alone on the mountain or where he was alone on the lake or even to the point where everyone was looking for him. How did Jesus pray? I mean, how did he prioritize prayer? When did he pray even? There's a fun website called uh, Jesus Alive. And on, on this website, the, the purpose of the website is uh, it's a ministry that was started back in 1999. And it's dedicated to witnessing to those who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, but also offering a, a discipling to those who do and who are seeking help in their, their daily walk. And so when we look at this list of when did Jesus pray, he in the morning, after healing people, all night before choosing his disciples, before walking on water, 
before Peter called Jesus the Christ, before teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he prayed, before raising Lazarus from the dead. There's a whole list here of the times when Jesus prayed. And even in his last act on earth, as he's ascending into heaven, he prays a blessing on his disciples. It's an incredible list, and I would encourage you to check out the links in the worship notes here for the full list. And so back to this core idea this morning, the big idea that prayer isn't just an action you do. Prayer is a way that you live. And yet I know many of us say we don't have time to pray, that we just have too much going on, that there's so much to do that we just don't have time to pray. But the truth is you don't have time not to pray because it seems like that's what sets up everything that follows through. And I know over the last couple months, uh, one of the practices that I've encouraged you to be doing on a regular basis is the daily Bible plan. There's a couple ways of doing it on version, and one in particular is the daily prayer. It gives you a short verse uh, to be reflective on. There's a video that communicates core idea, looking at the verse, and then there's a prayer that you can pray, and then there's actually a, a cool a scriptural meme And yet, what's interesting is that you can maintain streaks on this, the idea of doing it consistently day in and day out. And to be honest, I had a number, I've broken my streak more times than I'd like to count in the last six months, just because of things that have come up that have interrupted my morning time, where I normally spend reading the scriptures, walking through a daily Bible plan, and then praying. And yet, When we think about it, it, for all of us, it's almost impossible for us to be effective as Christ followers, uh, for us to have joy and for us to have peace and for us to actually have a witness if we aren't praying. And then when we think about the things that we're walking through in our lives, the idea of conflict, division, the financial pressures that many of us face, the temptations that come at us, the complicated decisions, especially in this season, We need God's presence and power now more than ever. And so at the same time, we're living in the world. We need to understand that in order to be effective in the world in which we live, we have to disconnect from it. We've talked about it over the last few weeks, about the the role that technology plays in our life and the distraction that comes from that. And we know in the model of the way of Jesus, the way he did life, is that he was very intentional about disconnecting from what doesn't last to connecting to the one who does. He was very clear in his life as he practiced his daily routine. Jesus prioritized finding time to pray to his heavenly Father. Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. I'm reading from the Message Version, which you'll remember is a a paraphrase. Eugene Peterson, who was a Peace USA pastor in Baltimore during the race riots of the 1960s. I just love the way he just lays out these words in his own understanding. He says this, here's what I want you to do. And this is what Jesus is saying. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. So it's pretty simple, right? The way of Jesus when it comes to prayer, uh, just get alone. Uh, You need to block out the noise. You need to eliminate the distractions. For many of us, that's putting the phone aside. It's so that you aren't you know, hopping on Instagram or checking your texts or hearing the emails pop in. And, and to be still, to simply be still and know that I am God. 
Because you see, it's in that, those moments of being still and knowing that we can see God in a whole new way. Now, we know this much is true, right, about intimacy, is that it's never accidental. That you'll never get close to a friend or to a spouse without spending quality time together. And so even the idea of the place you pray is important, whether it's on the back porch with a cup of coffee as the morning sun comes up, or it's in the evening at the end of the day on the same back porch uh, reflecting on what God has done in your life in that day, or it's in the car as you get ready to go into work. Uh, Wherever you may find yourself, The idea is that it really is an important element to have a place to pray, that you know that when you enter that that space, that chair or that room or that that place in your home where you know that you're going to have time with God. And so the idea is, is simply be still and know. Now, the question is, in being still, maybe what you'll wrestle through is, what do I pray? What do I pray about? Well, to be honest, it really is you, you should pray about what you care about, what is important to you. Uh, Paul says here in Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. He didn't say specific things. He said all things, everything. And then even when you think about what's on your mind, if you are walking with Jesus, it's going to be on his heart for you too. He's aware of your circumstance that we need to be willing to talk to God like we talk to a close friend, because he is. He is your friend. He is a friend to sinners, as the great hymn tells us. And if we have questions, we need to ask him. Are you mad or hurting? Well, you need to tell him that. Uh, Again, if we look at the, the Psalms, there are so many Psalms where David is really sort of shouting off to God how angry he is about life circumstances. We look to David as being one of the great saints, a, a model of a life that we would are encouraged to pursue. And yet, for so many of us, we struggle to pray because what we do is we compartmentalize our lives. And again, as good Presbyterians, we've talked about this before, right? Within our Reformed tradition, we talk about sola dea gloria, that for the great composer Johann Sebastian Bach, in his mind, there was no distinction between the secular and the sacred, that all of life was to be lived to the glory of God. And yet we sometimes think, well, I don't want to bring God into that, whether we're talking about our finances, about our family, about anything that we might experience. In fact, maybe it's like a lot like a, uh, a TV dinner that we don't want to mess up. We don't want to mess up the different sections that are on the tray You've got the meat and the vegetable and the potato and, and whatever the dessert is. That that's the way we treat our lives, that we, we have our work life and then we have our friend life and then we have our family life and then we have our church and God life and that none of those uh, areas overlap. But that's not the way God wants it, that God wants to see our lives intersecting and overlapping. I have to tell you that God doesn't want to be a part of your life. You know, thanks for five minutes and then you're gone. He, he is your life. Again, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That that's where we find our purpose and our place. And the good thing is, is that we know that he never leaves us. It's about our intimate relationship with he and his relationship with us. So again, this idea that prayer isn't just an action you do. Prayer is the way we live our life. It's the way you live. Now, 
there is a verse in First Thessalonians that makes me a little unsettled sometimes because it can produce guilt. And this is my perspective on it. And the idea, and I want to look at it in a couple different versions just to show you that it's kind of consistent through all of them. So in the New Living Translation, it says, never stop praying. In the New International Version, it says, pray continually. And then in the, the King James, it says, pray without ceasing. Prayer should be the life breath of all that we do. It should be how we see each day. And prayer is about getting alone with God. And it is about talking to God. But the truth is, it's even much more. Because you see, what prayer becomes, it becomes the living God's presence in our lives. It actually allows us to breathe in God's grace, especially if we begin our prayer times by maybe reading a psalm. Not a whole psalm necessarily, just a few verses to give perspective on who we are and who God is. That it's in those moments where we can hear him speak to us, where we can enjoy the peace that he brings. And then even the idea that we can enjoy the power that he bestows upon us as his sons and daughters. But at the same time, we need to be reminded that prayer isn't getting God to do just what we want. It's about us aligning our will to his and where we find delight in serving him and and we sense his delight in our obedience to him. And then also, when we get close to God, he, he will convict us of our sins and remind us of our brokenness. And at the same time, he will comfort us in our trials. He will be present there to us in a whole new way that allow us to know his direction. And when we're hurting, he'll hurt with us. And then when we rejoice, he'll rejoice with us too. Max Lucado, a well-known pastor in our times, talks about how we need to give God our thoughts we think about the things we're supposed to pray about. He says, in fact, there's four different types of thoughts. Uh, he says you should uh, first give God your waking thoughts, meaning that when you roll out of bed and you wake up in the morning, that you say, good morning, God. And, and this, and to be reminded, as we talked about a couple weeks ago from the Psalms, that this is the day the Lord has made and that you're going to be glad in it and you're going to rejoice in it. To, to ask God to uh, direct your steps for the day as you step off to help you see the needs that are in front of you, to help you speak the words of life and encouragement to those around you. And then at the same time, to convict you of anything that might be out of line. And that the idea that Max says is that we should say, God, I'm devoting my whole day to you. Max also says, give God your waiting thoughts in those moments, wherever you're waiting on, whatever you're waiting on, whoever you're waiting on. You're praying for the salvation of a loved one. You're praying for a miracle. You're praying for him to provide. You're praying for a breakthrough or whatever it is that you're waiting on, that you pray for the waiting on. You just take that before God and you give him your waiting thoughts. And then throughout the day, give him your whispering. In other words, because there may be times when there are prayers that you don't want to shout out loud in the middle of the office, but there are times when you will say to God, help me deal with this difficult situation, the complicated dialogue that I need to have over an issue at work with a coworker or at home with your family, is that sometimes you just need to whisper to God. And then in that, God, you know, give me wisdom to understand. And would you help me to do a good job on this presentation at work or at school? 
God, would you give me the words uh, to say during this difficult conversation? Even the idea, God, would you give me the, the words to say to connect with a, a younger person, a child or uh, a grandchild? God, would you help me welcome and love my spouse uh, when they come home from the office after having a difficult day? God, would you be, uh, help me to be a voice of encouragement to someone that I love? And so you whisper your thoughts. And so when you start with your waking thoughts and you give him your waiting thoughts and then you give him your whispering thoughts and then at the end of the day, you can give him your waning thoughts, the last things that you're thinking about. You know, at the end of the day, you can look back and you can say, God, here's where, where I saw you today and here's where I experienced who you are and here's what I am thankful for and what you did for me. And then whatever burden you've got at the end of the day, you might be able to lay those down too before you go to bed and just give it to God. You can cast his cares upon him because he cares so much for you. And you can say, God, I'm giving this to you and I trust you to handle it. And I'm going to go to sleep right now and I'm not going to worry about it because tomorrow the first thing I'm going to do when I get up is I'm going to give you my waking thoughts. Because you see, prayer isn't just something that you do. Prayer is the way that you live. And when we look at it that way, when we look at it as the way Jesus did, he just prioritized the, the presence of God and all that he was about. So if you feel like prayer is guilt, just know this, you're set free. That's the promise. You are free. Just understand and be aware that God is with you right now in the moment. He's always with you. That's his promise. He's always loving you. He never leaves you. He will never forsake you, we're promised from Scripture. So what do you do? What Jesus encourages, you find a place and you pray. And then you just never stop praying. You just don't stop. You just always are aware at any moment that he's just a prayer away. It's just like sending a text to a friend. Uh, you're, you're talking to Jesus. You're, you're actually talking to the Lord of all creation. The writer of 1 John says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. And again, Paul's letter to the, to the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So to be reminded, prayer isn't just an action you do. Prayer is the way you live your life. And so with that, let's pray.